again, good morning. Uh, we're glad that all of you are here uh, to worship with us. Uh, we're continuing the message series, The Really Big Picture, uh, today. And uh, we've spent the last two weeks talking about that. The first week, uh, Neil Walker uh, introduced the, the, the series to us, talked about kind of the really big picture as it relates to knowing uh, your purpose in life, uh, what you're supposed to base your life on according to what's really important, and how you find that out by having a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, by spending time with him, uh, in reading the scriptures, in praying to him. And as you get to know what's important to God, how to arrange your life uh, to fit his priorities and how that takes shape and kind of propels you uh, to a life that actually makes an impact. And then last week, Randy talked about the really big picture and the, the standard by which we've been called to live, uh, not by what we have done, but by the fact that when you enter into a relationship with God, he really does call you forward out of what you've known or out of just what makes sense to you and, and shows you really life his way has a different flavor to it. Uh, it's actually sweeter than life without him in a relationship with him. This morning, I'm going to continue the series talking about how do you make things happen? Uh, we talk a lot about in life purpose and goals, but actually, how do you make your life count for something? How do you bring about the goals that you had in mind? How do you get from point A to point B? Once you know that the goals are the right goals, once you know that the direction and the path is the right one, how does it actually happen? And this idea of the really big picture is something that as you take a look at, you see all the pieces and it helps you to make sense out of what is really important. I know for me, a lot of times based on circumstances or based on what I'm facing, I can get lost in all the little things. And I need to take a step back and see what's really going on across all the different areas of my life. And so the really big picture is designed to give us a sense of how do we prioritize? How do we make the right choices so we're on the right path that God has for us? How do we take a step back and, and see what's going on? So that's the goal for today, talking about specifically how do we make things happen? Today's message is going to kind of have a little bit of a science feel to it. And there's usually two kinds of people. You either love science or you don't. And I was the kind like in school science, like never made sense to me. Photosynthesis, I kind of got lost on that thing. I'm a guy like I like how science works and how it occurs what it's supposed to, but I don't know anything related to how that all happens. But today we're going to take a little bit of a science trip. Bill Nye, the science guy, remember that guy? Nye? Yeah, that was like the highlight of my science career. I could watch him and that makes sense to me. Dress weird, talk funny. It works. Uh, but we're going to watch a video because the scriptures actually teach us so many different things. And in the book of Proverbs, there's actually lessons that we can learn from bugs. And you're thinking, I woke up this morning to hear about bugs. Welcome to Church in the Valley. But when you dig into the Proverbs, you find that God uses a lot of things to teach us. And the book of Proverbs is a bunch of wise sayings, really taken from the, the view of observations about life. And in this proverb, the, the observations being made of how these different bugs and insects can teach us about what's really important. And so today we're going to talk about Locusts, And there's a, a passage in Proverbs 30, 24. It says four things on earth are small. And it walks through those four things. And one of the four things in verse 27 are locusts. And it says the locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. 
All of them march in rank. They have no key, but this swarm of locusts. I want to give you a, a little fun facts about locusts, just in case you didn't know. I didn't know either. A locust swarm, a big group of locusts, can be 460 square miles in size. What that means is, if you're caught in that, you have to drive a long way before you're not. Okay? Uh, a, a, you can pack 40 to 80 million locusts into a half square mile. Okay? So there, there's this... It's a swarm, but it's talking like millions of locusts. Third fun fact, they can eat 423 million pounds of plants every day, a swarm. 423 pounds of plants. So a lot of times when you hear about locusts, it's not good. It means that crops have been destroyed. That's the mission of the locusts, to eat anything in their path. That's college for me. But the locusts, different... That's, that wasn't in there. That was just off the top of my head. I'll try not to do that again. But uh, this picture of the locusts, is they, they work together for the one goal of consuming as much food as possible. And I want you to watch this video. And what's going to happen is you're going to start thinking there's like locusts on you. That's not any added special effects. You'll start feeling a little itch in your neck. But this is just so we can learn a little bit more of these fascinating creatures. Let's roll it. Triggered by the rains, an all-devouring army. Locusts. Millions emerge from eggs buried in the sand, gathering into columns which may stretch for 10 kilometers. At this stage, they can't fly, only hop, but it doesn't hinder their progress. These sweeping hordes devastate any fresh growth in their path. Five weeks of steady munching, the infantry becomes airborne. These breeding swarms can cover up to 80 kilometers a day, but only while the food and moisture last. So how do you define a desert in Africa? There are places where less than 50 centimeters of rain falls a year. I love the ending. It's like about locusts and how do you define a desert? And I'm thinking, I don't care about the desert. I care about those flying hummingbird looking things. But the lesson you can learn here and what the, the scripture is saying in Proverbs is locusts, they ha- there's no defined leader. There's no king. There's no one that's forcing them to fall in line. There's this aspect of this swarm of millions and millions knows the exact place they should take and know the exact place that they should go together and they accomplish their goal. It's a devastating goal, but they accomplish it and there's something to be learned about that. And the lesson is, is life goes better when I team voluntarily. There's something to be learned from these locusts, voluntarily team together. Life actually goes better. Life is sweeter when you learn to team voluntarily. Teamwork doesn't really work when you're forced to do it. 
when you're coerced. It's something that you have to make that choice. Like, I'm going to submit myself to this team, whichever one that is. And we're all a part of different teams. You may play sports and you're actually a part of a team. Uh, your family, you have a role in your, that team of the family. At work, you're a part of a team hired to accomplish a goal for the company that you work for. Church life, we have ministry teams. We have groups, groups of people that are working together to accomplish what God's given us to do. So in every aspect of life, we are a part of a team. And life is sweeter and we can make things happen and see things happen in our own individual life and actually make an impact in the world as we decide to team up with people. Uh, Yesterday was my first uh, opportunity, I say opportunity, as a coach for my daughter's soccer team. And they're under six. And um, it's an experience. It's a swarming. It's a different type. Uh, Gentlemen after the message say that they they call that bunch ball. It's not soccer. It's bunch ball. And I thought, you know, that is really good. Wherever the soccer ball is, there is a herd. And what I learned about the team in which I'm coaching is it didn't matter kind of what jersey you were wearing. If you had the ball... You didn't want anyone else to take it, and if someone else had it, you wanted to take it from them. So my, my you know, speech is after the quarter, okay, if their jersey looks like yours, leave the ball alone. If the jersey looks like theirs, take it. And then you smile a lot. But I, I realized I'm coaching this soccer, and, you know, hold off on the World Cup speech. We don't know how to team yet. And it's true in life. There's a part of us that if there's a ball, we we want it and we want to go home with it. Or we want to take it or we want control of it. It's it's really true. There's a part of us that there's this rub that teaming with others and working together as a group is, is difficult. You know, there's the phrase, you know, there's no I in team and then someone who likes to win says, but there is in win. And you're like, that's right. So even as you talk about teamwork, there's a way to around it. Well, yeah, but if you want to win, it is about you. But there's something in us that just, that individualism, you know, the subtle message in our culture that kind of, it's about you. And if you need to accomplish things, you really need to do it. You need to get after it because people, they may not help you. People actually may get in your way. And so there's just subtly these messages that you see in the culture and in media that really to accomplish what you need to accomplish, you do it by yourself. It's the most efficient way. It's the easiest way from point A to point B. It doesn't get all messed up with other people's agendas and views and perspectives on things. I know for me, this is, this is one of the rubs I deal with. It's just you have a goal to accomplish. And the question is, okay, do I bring people in or do I just do it and let them know what the goal was? And hope that they agree. It's just something that that we deal with. But the scripture is clear. If you want to make things happen, if you want to accomplish something with your life, and you actually want to make a difference, and you want your life to be sweet, you include others. You bring them along with you to accomplish what you have in each aspect. And I was thinking more about teamwork. If you're like a family and you've got young kids, I mean, teamwork is on display You're just hoping you have all the kids in the car and they're your kids. 
And then when you get somewhere, you hope that they had shoes on and maybe like an outfit that looked decent. But you realize like even that as a team, like you got to train your kids early on, wear your shoes, grab them. Because I can't right now because there's all these other things going on in the workplace. The same thing. You each have kind of a project that you need to do and there's a deadline and it, it revolves multiple departments. And you think, well, these departments have different goals and they've got different people working on those different goals. But I have this. And how do I coordinate with all that? And there's this part of us where we're like, how do I just get around these people to accomplish what I want? Do you realize that doesn't work in the workplace? You, you have to work with others. And real success comes as you learn to do that. So in family life and work and church, it's the same thing. The scriptures talk about this, too. It's really this picture of. There's this compounding benefit as people work together. And this is a passage that you may have heard before. But this is a great description of this, this picture of people that build their life around others. Okay, and this is in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. There's a lot of perspective in this, this passage related to this idea of teaming voluntarily. The first part in verse 9 is this picture of you actually get more return for your work as you work with others. That doesn't really make sense to us. But they've, they've done some studies, even like on horses. Say a horse is, there was this old story about this, this man who owned horses at the, the fair. And he was just showing the people the, the strength of these horses. And one horse could pull 9,000 pounds. And they're pulling this weight and the people are just, that's amazing. And so he's getting the crowd all into it and he's working the crowd. And he says, how many pounds do you think two horses could pull? And everyone's like, 18,000 pounds. That's amazing. And so he had two horses pull this load. But it wasn't 18,000. They were able to pull 35,000 pounds. And you think, well, I'm not a horse. That's true. (laughs) But there is a lesson here. There's something about coming alongside others where you actually are building this team and this momentum that you can't get alone. This idea that we are in this together in church life. We are working on this together in family life. We are a family that God has given us. That is my brother. That is my sister. These are my parents. God chose me to have these people. I want to work with this group. There's a part of, there's this compounding return. You see that in verse 9, this idea of there's more return for their labor. And then you see in practical ways, in, in verse 10, it talks about if you're, if you're cold. Basically, if you're in need and you're alone, how are you helped? Or if you come under attack, somebody wants to take you out and you're alone, how, how are you helped? So this is a picture of an isolated life is a life that, while it may make sense for more efficiency or it may make sense because of that struggle within us to be individuals, it actually doesn't bring about the life that God wants for us. And the scriptures actually talk about that people who isolate themselves, they fail. 
And it, it's counterintuitive because sometimes the picture of success is somebody that has worked so hard, they have built their empire, their fortune. And we have this picture of what this person looks like, but it's, it's actually not true. In the scriptures, the person who is alone is literally that. They are alone. They are left to themselves. There's another proverb that talks about this. It says, Proverbs 18.1, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Okay? When you pull back from people, the, the scripture saying here, that there's really, you, you have a goal in mind. And if no one else is involved, you can go full pursuit of that goal, whatever that is. But then the second half says, he breaks out against all sound judgment. So if you isolate yourself, you pull yourself back from people, you're actually breaking out against effectiveness. Effectiveness is what that, that means, that sound judgment. To be effective cannot happen if you're isolated from people. If you choose to do life by yourself, your own way, you, you won't be effective in the long run. And the idea there, that sound judgment, is really taking ideas about how life works and putting it into action. Taking this idea about how things should happen at home, like the goals that you should set as a family, how do you bring that about? Or you have goals at work, how do you bring that to happen? How do you meet the deadlines? How do you produce a product? In church life, how do we make this happen every week, Sunday to Sunday? Because that's, that's what this idea of team is, is it's bringing ideas and working together as a group to bring it about. The person who isolates himself breaks out against that. Because you can't just have all the ideas and completely execute all by yourself. Not in the long run. And so this is the challenge we have. That while there's this thing of like, well, yeah, teamwork makes sense. There's always that counter, but there's no I in win. And I really want to win. The thing is, as we move back and kind of focus on that, just... I don't know if I can trust these people. What if they drop the ball on their part? What if they do things differently? Or what if it really didn't turn out the way that we thought it would? There's all these risks involved of teaming up with others. What the scriptures are saying is the risks are there. You have to trust God and put your faith in him that he's not going to rip you off as you choose to do life with others. If it's true that two are better than one, then the people that God's placed in your life to team up with God's in control. He's going to take care of you. And this idea of team, not everyone is going to see eye to eye. Not everyone's going to have the same view. And there's tension. There always is in a group. There's always going to be conflict. But there's certain demands that as we commit to, God really brings about not only a better life, but a better outcome and, and an impact that you can make in the world. So I just want to walk through these demands of teamwork. Uh, this is kind of the flavor of what teamwork looks like. If you fail, if you isolate yourself, then teamwork's obviously very important. But what, what's the flavor? Now, these aren't skills that you learn in a book or at a class. These are really, these are actions that you put into practice or they're attitudes. They're the way that you need to see people, the way that you need to see the situation that, that you're in. So the big overarching demand of teamwork is it's got to happen voluntarily. You have to team voluntarily. That's the big principle I've talked about. I'm going to walk through the rest of these to see really what, what's an area that we may need to work on ourselves. Is there one of these that, you know, we don't really do or we blow past 
or we just it's not as efficient as it should be. So as you're looking at this list, ask God, is, is there one of these that, that you need to work on? Uh, first is work, work for the common good. When you're on a team, the idea is you're working for the common good, not your own goals, not your own interests, but the common good. And a key in that sentence that you could underline, work. I mean, isn't that where it gets kind of difficult? Okay, I found mine. I got to work. Work for the common good. Everyone works. Everyone does their part for the common good. In church life, we're all working to accomplish the mission God's given us. In family life, everyone has to work for the goal of really the family doing what God's called them to do. To honor him. To show how important he is to all the people that are interacting with them. In uh, the workplace, the common good is to do what you've been hired to do and to do that with the others that have been hired to do the same things with you. So you work for the common good. Be considerate. This is a demand of teamwork. This is one of those tough ones. This is the picture of it. You're, you're a helper. You're going to reach out to your teammate. The picture is this. You are starving and you want to go to lunch And as you're walking to lunch, you're picturing kind of this meal that you're going to have and how you're going to get a break from work and it's going to be great. You're going to be able to clear your mind, come back refreshed to finish out the day. Two coworkers are talking about a problem that they're having and you have the solution. But you also want lunch. Lunch is important because I'm hungry. Being a helper is is that choice of how can I help in that situation? It doesn't mean to be a teammate you don't eat. Okay, we're all going to find a way to eat, but maybe in that situation you, okay, how can I help them? How can I answer a question? How can I clarify? How can I give them a resource that I found that could help in their situation? That's that idea. You work for the common good, which means that you want to help them with their goals because you're all a part of the same thing. Man, that's tough. Because sometimes there's that tendency, if they fail, it makes you look better. The thing about a team is, if they fail, you failed. Well, that, that's like not even American. That's part of it. When you're working together with a group of people, you're, you're working for the common good. You want to help people with their goals. So this is one of the demands. Uh, play different roles. It's another demand. Uh, if, if you're a boss... If you're a follower, you have to be the follower. If you're an accountant, don't do sales. And if you're in sales, please don't do accounting. I'm more on the sales. Don't give me numbers. I'll cut and paste and you don't want to know what happened. Okay? But this is the idea of everyone has a role to play. And the same is true in family life. Parents need to be parents. Set direction. Dads need to be dads. Be responsible. Moms need to be moms. Kids need to be kids. Where it gets problems is when the kids want to be parents. And when the parents are the kids, it gets all dorked up. But part of teamwork isn't that there's no defined roles. The fact is, teamwork means you have to play your role. That's how it all works. Another demand is is you, you have to rely on others. This is where the risk is. 
the efficiency in us thinks, if I just take care of it, it will get taken care of. It will get accomplished. But if you rely on people, you actually can utilize their strengths. Early on, when I got uh, hired at Church in the Valley, I started working and I did a flyer. And about two years ago, I looked back at this flyer that I made and it was the worst flyer I'd ever seen. At the time, I was like, you know, that's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. I look back and it, it was bad. I'm not an artist. I, I'm actually a terrible artist. And there's people that God's put in the church that are artists. And this idea of relying on others, it means, you know, you really do rely on the strengths. And in each group or team that you're a part of, you have to find out the strengths of those around you. So you show interest in them. You ask them questions. You find out what makes them tick. In family life, get to know your kids, spouses, roommates. Get to know each other's strengths, how you guys are wired. Have conversations and dialogues about this. We all have these expectations and these pictures of what we expect from people. This idea of teamwork is you actually are relying on others and you, you know how they tick and you, you work together. This actually makes you accomplish more than just trying to do it your own way in the midst of these people. So you rely on others, you encourage each other. You know, you generally show appreciation for what the people in your team are doing. Whether that's in your family, in your workplace, be an encourager. Someone that someone's done well or improved on or they're working on or they've just, they've endured as it's been tough. Tell them that. A work through difficulties. It's another demand of being a part of a team. As things get hard, as things don't go how you think they were supposed to go, there's the tendency to bail. For me, it looks like this. Just figure it out. You ever done that? Or I, I don't know. Just just do it. Do what? I don't know. There's this thing is like, I don't want to get my mind around it. I just want to get out because it's just fuzzy. But there's this idea, you, you know, you hang in there with your, with your teammates. You, you hang in there. You try to figure out what's going on and you work together. And the last thing is you, you cooperate with a leader. This is where we're different than the locusts. We need leaders as I learned from coaching soccer. We need leaders. We can't all go in the same direction without being told what direction to go to. We can't do it. We're not made that way. God's actually made us to operate under leadership. And one of the best ways that you can be a team player and accomplish what you need to accomplish and to take care of the common good of the team you're a part of is to cooperate with the leader above you. So you want to watch for things where you're like, what are they thinking? The fact is a leader most of the time is thinking about things that you're not thinking about because you're not the leader. Or they're dealing with issues that you don't know about. Or maybe in that circumstance, they are being a turkey. But you follow them. Because that's the turkey you're supposed to follow right there. But this, this just... It's so difficult because there's a part where I, I, could, I could figure this out if he just asked me or if she just asked me. I could figure this out. But maybe in that specific moment, you just need to do what you, you're supposed to do. And then as the time for feedback comes, you give it and see if you can help as it's asked.
But this is the flavor. This is this idea of the big picture of life is, is if we team with others and as we commit to those around us to work together, to play our part, to try to apply these demands of what teamwork means, we actually can make a difference. And in church life, I was thinking through this, this campus and the money that needs to be raised and all the things that need to be done in order to launch a new campus. Could you imagine if Randy came up here and said, we're going to launch a campus. Who wants to do it? And you know, you just look for the one hand and then the quivering hand goes up and says, sold. Third person in the third row. Um, you'd be freaked out. You realize you can't do that alone. It couldn't happen. And so I look at this opportunity that we have to do something where there's not a church at Couple High School. There will be a church in 42 days. And I don't even know how that's all going to happen yet. But God has given us a team to pull it off. And it's such a blessing to be a part when you see each person and the gifts that they've been given and the energy and the resources putting it to this project to accomplish something that we want to honor God with. And the same is true in each arena. There's something before you where you have a choice. Do you work with the people you're with or do you blow past them? And I encourage you to do what God wants to teach you as you team up, as you're faced with that. Think through maybe one of those demands that, that you could work on. So I want, I want to invite the, the band up as I go through some next steps. But before I do that, I want to kind of give you this idea of the big picture. Uh, if you look on the back of your program, if you flip it over the whole thing, you'll see a picture by Van Gogh. And then if you flip it towards the front, that's a zoomed-in picture of that same picture. Would you have known that the zoomed-in picture was that picture? Any art experts? Probably not. When it's zoomed in on the front, you don't know that that's that famous masterpiece by Van Gogh. But that's this idea. As you take a step back and you see what's really going on, you see the design, you see the purpose, you see actually this masterpiece. You could see it there on the screen. This making it happen and teaming up is like this picture where it's pieces. Now, I wouldn't buy that. Okay? But for illustration purposes, you see that each one of those pieces comes together and forms that same picture. Go to the next slide. And that's really this idea of team is each of you plays a very important piece of the picture that God's making in your life and through your life. And the challenge for each of us is, are we going to be that piece and play the role that God wants us to play? And so my, my prayer for all of us is that we ask God, what's the role that he wants us to play? We get help on how to do that. And then we commit wholeheartedly to working together to make things happen. So I want to walk you through these next steps. If there's another one that you think of, you can jot that down. Uh, each week we do this. We ask you to fill it out on the connection card. So you have an action step that you can take in your relationship to God. The first one is choose an aspect of the demands of teamwork to work on during September. And you could just write it down there on that blank line. Is there one of those, whether it's to cooperate with a leader, whether to encourage others, whatever one of those is. If there's one of those that you, you sense you need to work on, Write that down there on that, that blank line. Second next step, join a ministry team. As we multiply campuses, we need help. We need each of you to contribute. And if you've not been asked to serve in an area, either on the Diamond Bar campus 
or the Alhambra campus, I'd encourage you to, to volunteer. And you can circle the hospitality team. This would be the team that helps serve the coffee, uh, hands out programs. These are like the connections and first impressions team. The facilities team, this is the team that sets up every week, uh, sets up the classrooms, equipment, pulls it out of the trailer, sight and sound. They get all the equipment ready so visually you can see and equipment set up for the band to play. So if you're not serving it in an area, you can circle one of those and we will touch base with you and see what makes the most sense, what fits your schedule. And we want to really include as many people as possible as we launch in this new campus to help out. So you can circle one of those. Uh, on September 9th, Randy's going to be launching a new series called Better Together. And he's going to talk about this a little bit more in depth. Kind of what, what is God's role as we do life together and what is the impact of that? And so I encourage you to, to come back to that series to learn more about this idea of, of doing life together and how we are better as a group. And then uh, the, last, the last two, ask God to show you an area of life uh, where you're not teaming with others. Is there just an area that you just because of efficiency or just because you just don't want to be bothered with the work of other people? Is there just something that you, you need to kind of pull into the group again? Ask God to show you that. And then the last is there's the baptism uh, preview on September 9th. Like Randy mentioned, if you've committed your life to Christ and you've not yet been obedient in baptism, we want to get some of your questions answered. If you have them, we want to give you some information. And so if you mark that on the connection card, we'll provide you with some more details about how you can attend that preview. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the fact that you really are the one that designed team. Um, you have created us and you put us in the same areas so we actually could do life together. Uh, when you first made Adam, you knew that it wasn't good for him to be alone. And so, God, we do want to move past isolation and past trying to just do things by ourselves our own way and God we want to be a part of a group and here at Church in the Valley we want to work together to accomplish what's before us and God thank you for all the people that you brought around and the, the strong hands and the faithful hearts and so God I, I pray that you'll multiply our efforts as we look towards this campus launch that you'll really Go before us, and as we work, give us sharp minds. And God, we pray for unity in the name of Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you are the one that accomplishes your purpose through us. That is you that works in us. And so we look to you as our guide and our strength. In the name of Lord Jesus, amen.